Welcome to episode 89 of the Horror Dads Podcast. 89? 89. Man, dude. You're joined by your host, John and Jamie, as always. And today is a very exciting episode because we interview Josh Rubin. Oh, who he's has the best. directed films you might have heard of, uh, like uh, Werewolves Within, Scare Me. He recently starred in Blood Relatives, which has uh, been on Shudder, Wounded Fawn, which is on Shudder, I believe. And he's got a graphic novel coming out called Darla next week on May 31st. And we both got an early copy yeah. and it was awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. And, and Josh is, is such a talented actor, director, writer, producer. Uh, he's just a dude that really cares about doing the work. And it's so cool to hear about someone who's fulfilled doing a thing. You, you, you think of like making a horror podcast yes. and it's like, am I going to start to resent movies at some point in time? Sure. Or uh, it's, it's a daunting thing to make your passion your career, I would say. And Josh is a great example of someone that's been able to successfully get what he wants out of his career and provide amazing content the way he wants uh, and, and distribute it the way he wants. And it really shines through in talking with him. So he was awesome to discuss stuff. Yeah, with. it does because he's, a, he's actually a guy that cut his teeth in the comedy circuit, you know? Yeah. And uh, improv, and uh, he was big on college humor and did a lot of videos. Uh, so he was, he's been like able to now incorporate his love of horror and his love of comedy together and do it seamlessly and do it fucking fantastically. Yeah. Love him. Yeah. So we, we dive in in conversation with Josh about his films, about his new graphic novel coming up, about his inspirations and whatnot. So we're going to do our, uh, <clears throat> our standard catch up stuff before we jump into that interview. But, um, stick around for that because you guys are going to love it. Yes. All right, man. So what, uh, you've been watching anything new lately? So I started this movie from South Korea that probably a lot of our listeners are familiar with called The Wailing. Fell asleep because uh, <laughs> nothing against the movie. It's just the reading of the subtitles will get you sometimes yeah, yeah. Um, on a Friday evening when you've been working all week and the kids finally go to sleep and you're like, all right, let's fire up this movie. Yep. Uh, I think I made it. I made it pretty far. It's a pretty long movie. It's like two and a half hours almost. Um, and I think most of it is there's a big setup because there kind of has to be. Yeah. So once you get past that setup and it gets going is right when like my eyes started getting heavy and I was like, ugh. Uh, but I think I got all of the, you know, the lettuce out of the way and I'm to the meat. And um, I started, <laughs> uh, I started that show that you were talking about, Rose Red. Yeah. 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 I got through one episode. I'm intrigued. Yeah. It's, I, stick with it. You'll yeah, like it. It's I'm good. intrigued. It's just the end uh, is good too. Yeah, you. At the end of the first episode is when I was like, all right, I think I think I'm in. So oh, yeah, I don't think we talked about that on the podcast. I think we just talked about it last week when I was over your house. Okay, I couldn't uh, remember if we did or not. Uh, but that that's a good show. Or I, I you know I like it. It's it's tough. Uh, Very like social media. Yeah, it's tough to watch that show as a parent. Uh, yeah, first and foremost, but. And it definitely has because anyone uh, impressionable. Because first of all, something like that is bound to yeah. bound to have. I know there's some supernatural shit going in, but if you have, let's just say you have an app like this, and it's some shitty fucking YouTuber, and he's like, "Hey, go jump off the highest roof you can find." Yeah. And then uh, you know, my kid walks in with a broken leg, and I'm like, "What the hell happened?" He's like, "Well, Joshy from fucking yeah 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 dip fuck told me to jump off the highest roof." <laughs> It's it's tough to watch that show also because the dialect is so intense. I think it's it's either Irish or um, 
or English. And yeah, I think it takes place in England. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, that specific dialect is very, very hard to understand if it's not your language. I mean, it's our language, but that dialect is... I still... I'm not going to lie. I have to watch with subtitles. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I did watch it with yeah. subtitles. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm glad the you one girl, I think, is from a different... Is like different parts of England of different, you know, yeah, different accents. Dialects. It's yeah, the yeah. same as America, I guess. Yep. Uh, like, not to Americanize this, but... Uh, no, you guys are just like America. You have an alley here. <laughs> um... But yes, the one girl I felt like her accent was a little heavier than the other. Yep. So yeah. Well, I so Good I show. I watched that. I checked that out. I also that's on Netflix, right? Rose Red. Yes, I believe yeah. it was Netflix. And the I, Wailing, I believe, is on Shutter. I watched the Dead Girl in Apartment Three. What the hell is that? I think I believe this is the one that had Adrian King in it. I I went through some new movies here. Wow, Dead since Girl in Apartment Three. Uh, yeah, not that great. I don't. Okay. I love Adrian King to the end of the no, it's the end of the yeah, earth. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, wasn't totally crazy about it. But that was on Amazon Prime, I think. And I watched a movie called The Resident with Hilary Swank. It's kind of like a psycho sort of vibe ish. It's more of a thriller than a horror movie, I'd say. I happened upon it on accident. It actually, like rolled on after something else I was watching. And Is this a newer? I don't think. I think maybe ten years ago or something. Oh, okay. I have no idea why I watched it or how it came yeah, upon. Yeah, weird. But it just what it, was it on? Something I I was like working down here late one night and it found its way on the TV. I turned oh, around one of those. and I was like, oh okay, <laughs> like, well I'm watching this now. IMDb TV or something. Yeah, TV. exactly, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Uh, so it, it was it was fine. I think it's worth a watch if you're looking for a thriller type thing. Oh my god! Speaking of this, this is I'm I'm so have glad you, you fucking movie? reminded me of this. No, oh, but I was watching something on. To be or whatever, I can't remember what it was that got me here, which sucks because it like it it was funny because of what it came from. Anyways, I'm watching a horror movie or whatever on whatever I was watching. <laughs> this is so vague, <laughs> but the movie that it rolled into was this movie where I'm like, all right, so like the you know the intro song is like okay, and then I'm st- I'm reading the in the opening credits and I'm like, what is this? It's just like you're you're like. Your appetite is whetted, right? Like, yeah. you're like, I need to know what this is going to be. The director, Steve fucking Miner. What was, was like, it? I was like, oh my God, what is this? So I'm like waiting with anticipation. And then I see Rick Moranis and I'm like, what? What? Then I see Tom Arnold and I'm like, huh? Fucking big bully from 1996. Oh, I had I mean, no idea that Steve Miner directed know this. There's a couple little like horror nuggets in there that are cool, you know? And which Wait, is did you watch the, the I watched whole the whole, movie? whole fucking movie. <laughs> uh, Big bully. <laughs> it, <laughs> I, I would not necessarily recommend this movie. Yeah. Uh, but it's I, been a very useful segment. <laughs> We've talked about five movies we don't recommend. <laughs> well, that happens sometimes. It's realistic. All right, here's what I do recommend. I did check out Malum, which is oh, the, yeah. the Hell yeah. re-envisioning of the movie Last Shift. I haven't got to watch it yet. What do you think of, like... I'm in. Necessary yeah. watching if you're a, a yes. Last Shift guy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you and I are huge in Last Shift. Yeah. And uh, it, I, I thought it was great. And I see why both movies exist. This is definitely the same kind of story, but it's not the same movie. So it's not a shot-for-shot shot remake of Last Shift. If you like Last Shift, check it out. That's yeah, all I mean, uh, I am absolutely going to be checking that out uh, for obvious and non-obvious reasons. What do you, What have you been buying, man? 
Anything? I just picked up a new hoodie from, um, I was going to say our buddies, but we don't know them. Body Count uh, the, the dudes over at Body Count Clothing. Yeah. They're doing, they, I don't know if you've ever browsed through their merch. Their it Instagram is ads land hard. Incredible. Well, they do. Yeah. And they land at the right time. Yep. They had just had their hoodie go on sale. It's like a gray hoodie. It says Camp Crystal Lake Counselor. That's one I picked up. I always do black hoodies, right? So I figured I'd do something different. Yep. It came. Looks awesome. Can't wait to get it on. And the, but like they have this Camp Crystal Lake collection. So they also have like a matching almost uh, like oh lounge God, shorts. Dude. And I'm, I'm like, I, I have to get them. Think of when uh, your wife sees you walk out. and <laughs> She's like, why are you wearing a hoodie and shorts? I'm like, well, they match. And then I take the hoodie off and I have the matching tank top underneath. Why are you like Ronnie from Sleepaway Camp? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I picked up a handful of VHSs, actually. I've got... Oh, awesome. Where from? Uh, so my buddy, Zach Lovitz, is my VHS procurement vessel. Mm-hmm. He just started a, a, an Instagram page called Terror, Terror Racks Video uh, with his fiance Sarah. Awesome. And he, he's sort of my, my hookup. But I got a bunch of Hitchcocks over there. So... You can see there's, I think, rear windows up there still, oh, yeah. still packaged. Halloween 3 up there. Crazy. Yeah, Halloween 3, Halloween 2. So I got some Hitchcocks, some Halloweens. Oh, Halloween 2. Yep. So Evil Dead? I know, oh, man. man. I know. I stocked up. So thank you, Zach, for, for hooking me up. Really appreciate that. Dude. And then I also came across like 25 you know, Goosebumps books. Not to sound like your wife, but you just do not have room for this. Well. <laughs> Simply. <laughs> That's we're building shelves. We're gonna this have to, I was gonna say you're gonna have to get some racks right yeah. up here. Yeah, we'll, we'll work that out. But I, I I came across like 25 Goosebumps books at work. People were were throwing them away. Uh, I think I was talking about what this. You you mentioned this to me. What does I, this I know, mean? I know. Why were they at work with their Goosebumps books, throwing them away? I know. <laughs> we were doing this like spring cleaning effort at work, and I happened upon some folks that had a big box, and I was like, what? Is is that a Goosebumps book? And then I looked, and there were like multiple of them in there. And I said, "What what's going on with this?" And they were like, "Oh, we're, we're gonna throw it away or donate it." And I was like, "I would spend fifty to a hundred dollars on this box at a garage sale. So, do you want to donate it into my arms?" So I made off with that, which is amazing. Yeah, and I mean, the other amazing thing that I also did not deserve, and neither did Jamie, is. Our patron and friend, Russ Hewitt, was kind enough to have two patches made for us. They're Horror Dads patches, uh, and they are patches that you can stick to a hat. So there's this company called Pull Patch, and basically, like, you change your shirt every day. You could change the patch on your hat every day. Wow. And Russ made this amazing custom pull patch for Jamie, one for him, one for me. Uh, for us to stick to a hat. So thank you so much, Russ. We just, we incredibly appreciate it, man. Your engagement and well, conversation has been great. So thank Russ you. Russ is the best. Thank you so much. All right. What are you wearing right now, Jamie? That's an old <clears throat> This is a good. throwback. This is like one of the OG Cavity Colors t-shirts. This is like a Dude. Beetlejuice candy corn yeah. skeleton that's just like a freelance, yeah. like a free form drawing doodle sort of thing. Yeah, back in, in the, the days, like yeah. when you and I first got into Cavity Colors, he would just like release these cool things that he drew uh, back in his heyday and he would throw them on t-shirts. Well, we on uh, today's episode of Cavity Dads, oh, uh, yeah. I'm wearing we my Cavity <laughs> Colors uh, <laughs> uh, every day's Halloween shirt. 
Is that from this year? Yeah. I was going to say I have that same shirt. I have the shorts as well. Yeah, it's uh, the skeleton going into the pumpkin. Uh, very autumnal looking. Wow. The uh, shirt. The, the apple bobbing, the apple bobbing like bin. Yeah, dude. So good. Bucket. So incredibly good. The skeleton. Oh, my God. Yeah. I know. I know. Did he? He did that design, right? That's him. I think so. I think he did this whole line. It's either that or maybe. Because um, we went through a moment there where. Pardon. Uh, it was a, almost all Devin draws, yeah. which was awesome. Uh, but it's cool to see uh, Aaron this style contributing again. as well. Yeah, man. So anything cool going on with the family? Let's maybe yeah, so I got this new stuff. patio set. Oh, yeah, you did. And it's got like a fire pit and shit. And then I did. <laughs> I remember the first thing I did. I was like, you know what? John last year would not shut the fuck up about bringing the TV out and watching horror. So that's the first thing we did. Like I, I like wrenched the last fucking screw in and then ran up and got my TV. Left the wrench sitting on the like didn't even like I wasted no time. Um, <laughs> what did you watch? Out when there? got my TV, the very first thing I watched. What do you think? Ooh, Friday Take 13th, a guess. Part one. No. Uh, it's gonna warm your heart when I tell you the burbs. Uh, no. Okay. First thing I watched out there, Fright Night. Oh, dude. I mean, that's in line. Yeah. Oh, I'll hug you. Yep. Want me to sit on that chair with and you? And then, but since chair? I've, <laughs> but since I've watched Friday the Thirteenth Part Six out there, yeah, uh, it's just been great. We watched. I was over there last weekend. Um, I just stopped by and we watched. I think was it Friday the Thirteenth Part Two? I think it was. I think I did put on two. Yeah, yeah. which was fun. So my family stuff, though, I actually uh, busted out these Goosebumps books with the kids. Um, been been jumping into to a couple of them. Just just reading some general synopsis and sure. seeing what appetite exists. So we haven't gotten through a full book or anything yet, but it's been cool. Kids are asking a shitload of questions. Like, wait, what? What do you What do you mean? At like, this doesn't seem real or right. Like, what's uh, What do you mean by that? So it's yeah. been really fun. Let me funny. read. Yeah. Yeah. God. Oh, dude, they ask so many questions. Yeah. Uh, I know. All right. So I'm last minute plugs here real quick, and then we're going to jump into what you've all been waiting for and why you're actually here, which is Josh Rubin and not us. But uh, if you are interested in joining us on Patreon, we do have a Patreon. We've got a $5 tier and a $10 tier. You can unlock tons of additional bonus content today. So if you're caught up on the podcast and you want more, please check it out. And uh, that's patreon.com slash horror dads. And at the end of last month, uh, I believe before, I don't think we've talked about this yet. We, we, we held our, horror, our first horror happy hour, which was great. We had a handful of people on. We stayed up way too late. And our buddy Mike from Whiskey Morgue um, made us all drink bourbon, even though he wasn't there. We asked him for a recipe, and then we stayed up too late, and we're all uh, feeling miserable the next day. But we had a great time. We had a blast. And in the moment, uh, couldn't ask for, for more fun, for more conversation. So thanks for joining us on there. And if you're interested in joining us, maybe for one in the future, check us out on Patreon and subscribe. And we honestly could not ask for better patrons, better friends, better listeners. Um, just amazing. Yeah. And getting to meet all of you guys, put some names, uh, some faces to names. Has, it was just awesome. Yep. And I, I think it was probably really good for the other patrons as well. Um, yeah, because it's created this community of like people yeah. being friends without us being involved. Because we great. have a Discord channel, which is like just runs yeah. and runs and goes, and it's amazing. And the conversations that take place are awesome. And 
there's you have like what we have all these people that are chatting with each other that have no idea what each other look like so the happy hour was amazing to get to uh meet each other yep for sure so we've got merch as well uh, if you're interested head to horrordads.com we've got tank tops we've got raglans uh we just did a special patron only custom merch run so we allowed patrons to order custom custom designs on uh custom apparel for this most recent run of merch that we did so head over to horrordads.com if you're interested and cover your skin with some horror dads merch and finally i think it's important to note uh the show's been growing tremendously and we appreciate it so much uh, and we're looking forward to more growth. And the best way to to do that is please interact with us, engage uh, us on on social media. And if you have an opportunity, please leave us a review um, on either Apple Podcast or Spotify. Those are the two main platforms. It really allows uh, people to find the show, helps the algorithm. And uh, without further ado, I think it's time to jump into our episode. What do you we're say, coming, buddy? Josh. Welcome to episode 89 of the Horror Dads podcast. We are thrilled today to be joined by our buddy Josh Rubin. Uh, we didn't vet with him that we can call him our buddy, so maybe I'll edit that out if he's not cool with it. But uh, Josh is a writer, director, actor. He's got a new graphic novel coming out we're going to hear a lot about, but he's been uh, in a lot of things and he's done a lot of things and we're thrilled to be joined by him. So thank you, Josh. Welcome to the show. Hey, welcome in, Josh. Thanks for having me, buddies. <laughs> what if I just threw the biggest fit ever and just got off now? How dare you? Horror dicks. I, I hate this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, more like horror dicks. Am I right? Yeah, exactly. Just, I'm out of here. So what's up, man? I know you got a little bit of free time right now with the strike going on, but you have been a busy man the past few years, huh? Uh, yeah, I, I try to. I try to both stay busy and also not be pinned down. So like whenever I'm, uh, you know, whenever I'm, I'm not directing, I'm acting, whenever I'm not writing i'm directing it's a, i can leapfrog i'm lucky enough to be able to do that stuff it's just because i can't sit still and i love our genre for sure but i also i'm still very entrenched in the comedy community like dropout's been really good to me i do a bunch of game changer shows and i've known sam rice since you know we were 16 years old met at summer camp years and years and years ago back when he met his wife elaine so uh the fact that I'm still like working with my buddies and keeping one foot in like internet comedy still like pretty much at age 40, but also like making horror stuff is, is just, you know, I, I, I enjoy the fact that some people, some of my fans don't know about my other life and they discover it in like different, different ways and waves. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just, I love doing a bunch of shit just so long as I'm working with cool people who don't, you know, give me too much anxiety. <laughs> yeah yeah no that's that's the dream for for all of us man uh and you're you're doing you're doing it you're doing it really really well yeah and <laughs> like really fucking hard doing it uh it's funny because like if you look through imdb or just look through what you've been doing it's like how how can all of this stack up together you know what i mean it's like he's either directing or producing or acting it's it's insane it's just trying to, you know, uh, scrape a couple pennies together to buy like chickpeas. Like, you know, everything is crazy. <laughs> ramen, now. So yeah. it's like, hey, I will produce for you. I'll be in your, I'll be in your little vampire movie and play, uh, you know, a dude in an asylum. I'll play a serial killer. I'll uh, produce your short. Like, I just, I, I love doing what I'm doing. I definitely don't. Um, there's there was a, a saying recently, basically, just essentially like 
don't chase the money, chase the art and, you know, the, the fortune will come. And I've by no means, you know, found any fortune, but I love the fact that I'm like doing what I want for a living. I'm just, that, that luck is never lost on me. I'm super fortunate. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and again, to be just like working with, you know, my buds of many years is just, um, to have that that ability and to do so frequently is, is, uh, is so such a privilege. Yeah. I feel like there's like this circle of you guys, like Noah, uh, Travis, like, do you guys all know each other outside of work and like, or did you guys get to know each other through just each other's work? It's funny. Noah was a, he was one, I was of course familiar with his work. Actually, Looper was the first movie I saw him in. I was like, holy shit, that dude's scary. What's he like? And then I met him and he's like just as short as I am in real life. Uh, the magic of the movies. And that was so not intimidating. Um, uh, <laughs> no, I, I hadn't met Noah um, uh, until he was selected. This is super random. But he was selected by one of our production partners on Werewolves Within to um, be in the test audience during COVID to review one of our early cuts. And when I was observing that Zoom feedback session for Werewolves, I was like, holy shit, that's a dude from Looper and, you know, 50 other things. And I reached out to him after the fact and said, hey, I'm the director. Um, thank you so much for your feedback. I was really just kind of chasing the fact that he had such nice things to say. So we started this like phone call relationship, you know, through COVID. And I was just asking him questions about, you know, what are some of the actors he's worked with are like, and he's worked with many different directors. What's that relationship? Um, you know, is there a commonality with people like Ryan Johnson, other people you've worked with, such as just like picking his brain, he picked my brain about what I did. And then eventually he was like, hey, I have this tiny script. Would you want to do it? Would you want to produce it? And I said, I'm not a paperwork producer, but I'm a, I'm a connector. I'll hook you up with, you know, this actress I just worked with on my buddy Natalie's movie, Victoria Marola. She's unbelievable. And then Travis completely separately, like, DM'd me. I hadn't seen Jacob's wife. He, like, sent me a DM on Twitter. I was like, do you want, can I send you a script? Um, and I was like, oh, okay. I read it and I was like, holy <laughs> shit, this is genius. This is like if if uh, Patrick Bateman went to the Evil Dead cabin, but, yeah. like, he got his ass kicked by a bunch of female furies. This is absolutely genius. That's a great written. fucking wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I have to do this. And you know, it was, it was a good gig. You know, you get to like pay into your pension, go to Princeton, New Jersey and like work, work 30 days of nights and shoot on film with Katusha Genfeld, who is our brilliant DP and et cetera, et cetera. And I found out that Travis and Noah had known each other. Travis was involved in one of Noah's indies from some time ago. So there was no, overlap for me other than the fact that i was involved in these two separate shorts but we all got into beyond fest you know we played fantastic fest it's like i was able to go to a couple of festivals and have like two projects there it was pretty rad so that community is cool that's like you know just some of this little horror community and then also to just like have this new community and like meeting people in the graphic novel comic book world which i am so new to but just to like start to understand what that um economy is like that atmosphere that you know um i meant to say ecosystem i said economy but uh but yeah i um i'll own it buddies no i uh <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's cool it's an ever-expanding like artist community which i'm i'm grateful to be a part of yeah it's awesome yeah and it's it was cool to as viewers uh you know enjoy your work over the past several years you know we've seen uh most of the stuff that you've made or been in and then 
seeing the translation to the graphic, you know, the graphic novel realm, I'm sure was, was a bit of a transformation, but I feel like, uh, your writing style is very kind of like, um, like Howard Hawks ish. It's like very sort of like rapid fire. And I, it probably stems from some like, uh, you know, improv comedy sort of thing. And it's, and it feels like you're in a conversation, uh, in most of the stuff like werewolves within it's funny as hell. And that the characters in that movie are also, you know, funny and conversational and quick witted and, and snappy. Um, and I, before reading Darla was, was thinking like, Oh, I wonder how that's going to translate into a graphic novel because when you're reading rather than watching, you know, sometimes it's up to your brain. And I don't know if it was from the nepotism of having enjoyed so much of your media already, but as I was reading the novel in Darla's voice, I was like, I was doing the same thing. I was, I was doing the snappy, doing the funny, uh, and it translated super well, but how was that for you? You know, like, uh, embarking on that was it was it difficult was it natural you know it's funny the the difficult part for me was actually starting to write another comic um a vampire idea i've had for such a long time that i will i will pursue um kind of down the line um and i started writing it in comic book form and i couldn't wrap my head around how to do it it was so weird like i, I have my buddies who work in vader the founders of Invader, um, Michael, uh, Mike Perkins and Kevin Miller, they kept giving me examples of these, these scripts, um, the, the kind of Scott McCloud style, you know, this many panels, this is the dialogue. And, and I, I, I just couldn't bridge the gap from screenplay writing to graphic novel writing. I just couldn't wrap my head around with like less dialogue, less description, because it is such a, there is such an overlap. It's a visual medium. I'm a filmmaker. I mean, it should be quite easy. And I'm such a big fan of comic books, but um, you don't think about the learning curve, or I certainly didn't expect the learning curve of, oh my God, like less is more. What we love about comics, just speaking, it's like, you know, the, the, the kid fan I am and always was going to comic book stores and picking up a new Hulk or Batman or whatever. It's just like, you just feel the story because the images are so banging, you know, you, yeah. you can almost like <laughs> us kids, probably you, I'm, I'm sure you did this, you know, you like almost are like sounding out the, the smashes and crashes to yourself oh, yeah. quietly in the backseat of your dad's Honda or whatever. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> that's what you do as opposed to opening a page and seeing it riddled with dialogue. So the first pass of our, of Darla was um once i started once i started uh presented the first pass of the book to to invader they was just riddled with dialogue bubbles and they were like bro like cut that shit down so that we can see breeze beautiful art less is more less is more so the learning curve was oh my god of course let the picture do majority of the work we want to see more of the art um that was the difficult if i dare even call it difficult that was just like the learning curve nature of it for me sure and how'd you get synced so uh brie tippets is who you collaborated with on this um she's an amazing artist she has a very very unique style uh it appears to be watercolor i assume is like the uh the foundational uh basis of, of kind of how it feels uh, that's she, the vibe yeah, yeah i think she does great. it with markers but yeah yeah and we've actually yeah, the artwork was killer we've been talking with brie yeah. on instagram um for a few months just back and forth on, on yeah, yeah without even things. realizing yeah and then when we saw that she was collaborating with you we were like this is amazing she her artist it's so good um and she's yeah. so unique and the style is so cool made uh, me so, so excited to dig into it yeah and then that like prologue that you do yeah. with like the you know talking I'll about, cry talking about it, i was man. like god yeah. damn it 
<laughs> I, I I specifically like I had it on my laptop and uh, I specifically was like I read that prologue and I was like I'm going to put on some goddamn pajamas, get stoned and read the shit out of this and that's what I did and it was great. Oh man, yeah, I love it. I mean, you kind of need to. Yeah, I love that it's kind of. I don't know if I'd call this one cozy or not. I'm a little worried that it might be more depressing, but I I I, <laughs> I hope that people take it in, take in the story of Darla as being more like a like a a, a a really twisted Coen Brothers episode of HBO's Tales from the Crypt. Like it's like that. That's kind of what I'd like people to take away. Yeah. But just to speak briefly to the brie of it all, it's like Brie was a scare me fan of my first film, and started DMing me or tagging me on Instagram in fan art that she made. That was oh, really awesome. awesome. Like yeah. including Fred and Fanny and these images of like all these like horror icons. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is so cool. Um, and I also just took to her art. I was like, it's so gruesome, but so charming. It's so like warped and weird, but so like cute in a weird way. And it also kind of had her, her book Rictus has a very Charles Burns um, black hole vibe. And I was like, this, this is, I, I want to be involved in comics maybe we could collaborate so we got to talking about you know collaborating can we find a story and then i you know darla was a screenplay um it was a, a weird little movie and that's the you know just to speak to the adaptation of it all i was so like riddled with dialogue so i basically handed her this 90 page screenplay with this director's deck with all these images i'm a very visual filmmaker and i was like do you think we could translate this and she's like yeah i think I think we absolutely could, you know, and then we just started talking and talking and finding the character images and it, it just sort of spiraled from there. So I, I, I pulled and felt a lot of, uh, of inspirations from the experience of reading Darla. Uh, but before we jump into, to some of the Darla-ness of this, do you want to talk a little bit about like how this whole thing of you being an artist got started, like your motivations, like films that you love growing up and like how you entered the world of production and filmmaking and, and eventually, you know, coming to make a, an awesome novel. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and I'll try and keep it brief. I mean, a bit, you know, the, the short of it is like my, uh, my sister who's nine years older than me would invite me into her room on usually it was on a Sunday afternoon when Friday the 13th or Freddy's nightmares or some, slightly cut down slightly cableized version of an awesome 80s horror film from the kid of the 80s was playing on like on cable and so it was probably friday the 13th uh part three and like dream warriors my my welcoming into horror was kind of there was the brutality and the um just sheer terror of jason um, I think it was uh, Jason Lives really got me because it was just so rad. Like that's such a rock and roll movie. Obviously, the director's like a rocker himself, but it's like it was such a monster movie, and so that tickled something in the back of my like whatever six year old brain. Um, but also like being introduced to Harvey a Freddy, who was basically a cartoon character. I was like, oh my god, he's so funny. This is a I feel like ass. I could be yeah. friends with him. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah smartass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's that's what got me into horror i was a horror fan before i was a comedy fan even and i think freddy was the first like horror comedy i would consider that i i am i entered into while simultaneously being terrified by you know friday the 13th even movies like stephen king's cat's eye and eventually i discovered jaws and somehow we all watched aliens in the living room you know when i was (laughs) way too young 
Um, so uh, flash forward to summer camp um, 2000, I meet Sam Reich, I meet Elaine Carroll. They end up getting together. They've been together pretty much ever since we all become friends. And um, that began an incredible union where, you know, as I was in Woodstock, New York, making silly videos with my friends on uh, a, a handy cam, uh, was it an eight millimeter? Yeah, eight millimeter tapes with my buddies, not knowing what I was doing to shoot in an order. Um, I later moved to New York City to go to acting school and Sam moves and we start making videos and he, he basically he brilliantly gets the idea. He's like, I think this is going to become a thing that, that we could put videos on the internet. And I think that's, I think that's going to be <laughs> a thing someday. This is before flash and before YouTube. And so eventually <clears throat> his brilliant kind of light bulb flash when home star runner and Derek comedy yeah, and the whitest yeah. kids, you know, and everything we're all producing um, videos yeah, uh, that's funny. Homestar Runner, that was like had such this a, idea. Took a, a liking to college humor, and and um, college humor noticed that we were putting videos up. We started a little sketch group. We just like put videos up and put videos up. Once Flash came, that was it. And so seven years at college humor, that was like my my filmmaking school. I left, kind of going like, I don't want to make short form anymore. I want to make movies. I cashed out like most of my four hundred one k from IAC college humor to kickstart funds for my first movie because I, I knew no one was going to give me the money because i hadn't made one and scare me going to sundance when all i all the goal was only like talk about chasing the art the goal was only to just make a movie i didn't know it was going to go to sundance or anything was going to happen after the fact could have been terrible that kickstarted the career then werewolves happened you know because the producers saw that and they were like we have this video game movie um, and now I'm kind of here. I mean, like getting into comics, I'm just discovering, especially through COVID, like hard media coming back, vinyl, cassette tapes, yeah. comics, books. Um, I, I just uh, rediscovered that part of myself that, that you know, um, the, the kid in me that loved reading and devouring that form of media, you know, that art form. And um, so, yeah, here, here we are. I'm just trying to, trying to do it all, you know. Yeah, there had to be a point, like halfway through the the graphic novel that you were like what the fuck am i doing i'm taking on too much here right it it might i think it appears that way you know it's like um we all we all appear a certain way on social media you know we uh it's it's the the fallacy of of this uh this era that we're in um a lot of what we're doing you know filmmakers and otherwise is it's a lot of downtime I try and stay busy because if it's like, you know, I'm not writing right now with the strike, but, you know, again, like if I'm not directing, I'm writing. If I'm not writing, I'm usually someone will reach out out of the blue and say, do you want to hop on my live show? Do you want to come do an episode of Dropout? I just did this like top secret NDA'd um, studio project that just came out of the blue because I know the casting director and somebody. So I'll just, I'll hop on where I can hop on to. Um, it probably appears that I'm doing a lot, but I'm really like, you know, it's, it's, it's so much just private development yeah. and, and, and writing and building relationships. And, you know, sure. that's, that's what the producing of it all is. You know? Yeah. Um, so I think foundationally that description is amazing and, and really creates the, the soil bed here to talk about like what mm -hmm. Darla was, was born from. So do you want to give us a quick top of trees uh, description of what you'd like <laughs> to share about what Darla is and then, 
uh, we can give some non-spoiler um, feedback uh, of our experience reading it too, which we both really enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, I, I was really excited to just tell a story about, a, you know, this is the, the story about an irritable small town woman who has this vicious factory accident and is uh, drinking poisoned water in her town yeah. and gradually not only becoming obsessed with a toxic local politician, but fantasizing this creature in her home who tells her to do naughty shit. Um, so <laughs> I, I drew inspiration from everything from like Requiem for a Dream and Dead Zone to like Babadook and HBO's Tales from the Crypt, like specifically HBO's, not the old EC comics. Although someone recently brought up that like Bree's style is a bit EC and it's actually it's true, um, especially being like a female anti-hero. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was essentially it. I mean, I, I don't like to, you know, get too political, um, you know, in conversation, um, though I'm I'm uh, quite liberal. But I was it, it definitely when I wrote the screenplay, I was definitely freaked out, angry and um, anxious about Trump because of what was happening. He was like sort of seeding and inspiring people who were living very, very tunnel, tunnel visioned yeah, in their yeah. small towns to go like, Ooh, finally someone who thinks like me. Yeah, exactly. And they were like scratching the itch of, you know, the, 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 ba the bad demon in their brain or whatever, like, you know, the, the naughty voice. And I think that's essentially what Darla is, is she's like, she, she sees this piece of shit on television, Martin Sheen and dead zone, let's call him. Um, and it's like, yes. Okay. Finally. Yes. She was always kind of a piece of shit, but it's like when you have someone who, you know, you admire bringing that out of you, um, it, uh, it can be quite, um, quite dangerous. And so this is a, this is a bit about bit of commentary on that. Um, and it's also sort of heartbreaking. It's just like, yeah, it I grew is. up in a town where fracking was an issue where people were sort of narrow-minded to a degree and Wait, where, dangerous where'd you combination. Grow up? I was going to, I grew up in upstate New York, okay. um, basically just outside of, uh, of Woodstock. So um, near where we shot actually both of my films. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was going to, I had one of the questions to ask, which was where was this supposed, supposed to take place? Because we live in Northeast Ohio and mm -hmm. I don't know, Ohio has become this, and again, not to embark, we really don't talk politics on the show either, but Ohio has become this like really polarized, intense place yeah. to live uh, where wow. it feels like this, took place in our hometown not to mention that horrifying train uh derailment that oh, occurred right. that was like uh 15 miles away from where we're sitting right it was now. like just Whoa. far enough away to not be a big deal for us personally but i was i wow. had, like we had to have our water tested and, and yeah, shit. Yeah. so um oh, as man. i'm reading this i was like oh my god people like this act like this around here and we have water problems and i was like maybe he wrote it about youngstown yeah. uh <laughs> but it definitely all of what you just described, like it's, it's very palpable. You feel it in here. They're the commentary on, I mean, just how we deal with people that have mental health issues, how we deal with, mm -hmm. I mean, the healthcare system is, is horrifying. I don't know how we can't solve this and get this thing right. Like the fact yeah. that it it's, 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 it's gross, but legal system, politics, uh, public health, education, uh, guns, like there's so much, so much yeah. in this, um, uh, is, is, is polarizing stuff. But I think you, I think you deliver it in a way that's, uh, it, you know, it, it has a point and it, it's, it's poignant and, and I don't, I don't want to speak for Jamie, but I enjoyed the hell out of this. I thought it was really funny, but also very depressing. Uh, and very sad. <laughs> yeah. And exactly. the, the preamble that you wrote 
really succinctly describes it. So if you read that and you're like, hey, I'm going to be in on this, you will be uh, because it, yeah. it really sums it up. <laughs> yeah. I actually saw a lot of uh, not parallels per se, but I saw a lot of uh, similarities between the overall agenda in Darla and maybe were- werewolves within just the environmentalism mm. topics, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the politics, the it was done in a much funnier way, lighthearted. Uh, but I could see, you know, the compare the contrast between the two. It's kind of funny, like, yeah, the I never really thought of that, but it's just kind of wild that you know, because I wrote Darla years ago, um, or a version of it when it was called first, it was called Annie, and I was like, that's a musical, um, and then I changed <laughs> it to a. It was, it was like Darlene. I changed it to Karen at one point. Um, I mean, you know, and then they, they, that Karen horror movie came out. I was like, I can't do that. Um, and eventually it landed on Darla. But I, I uh, the fact that there, there is, a, there are almost in a way like sort of companion pieces that, you know, I got the script. It was like, wasn't fracked water. It was like the, you know, the Parker's pipeline and the small town and small town kind of politics um and uh and 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 darla kind of dealing with similar stuff but it just being certainly the bleaker kind of darker end of it i'm definitely a bit terrified um and sort of excited and ignited that it's becoming more and more relevant every day i hate to say it it's like fracking water issues where you guys are flint michigan um uh i think our our, yeah actually our schools in los angeles have just been tested positive many of them are test test positive for lead which can lead to all kinds of you know horrific side effects for kids and and um and folks who consume it it's sad and fucked up and i think you know the real takeaway for me is like that you know you you have to um sort of sympathize with your characters I hate Darla so much. I think she's kind of a, a piece of shit. She is sort of a Karen, but I also, my heart breaks for her because she's so alone. And I think so much of the dangers we encounter in this country are when people, you know, uh, not to get like into talking about like shooters and stuff like that, but it's like when, when people result, resort to violence that way, it, it in part stems from a loneliness and isolation wow. and a, um, you know, kind of a, a life in a bubble where their thoughts just sort of spiral. And I think that's sort of like, that's Darla, you know, where you can't find your sense of community. And quite honestly, yeah. and this isn't to say that we're fucking saviors of any kind, but part of what inspired <laughs> yeah, us, our buds. yeah, I mean, part of what inspired us to do this podcast though, is, is the general, uh, and again, not to make this about us, but in terms of relevance for us talking on this show about this is creating a sense of community in in a framework where typically one feels alone like people say like oh my god you work for corporate america and you like horror movies or like you're a dad and you have tattoo you like horror movies and it's like yeah "Yeah, you can do both of those things yeah you can be a good things can be true yeah yeah and i can coach baseball and also like horror movies and the team is good and the kids (laughs) are normal it's like yeah and i'm not an occultist yeah i like love all all these things yeah and it's 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 that that whole thing and I, I feel like within our world, as you kind of mentioned, this, this, uh, we, we live, we live fantasies online and everything's every moment's perfect of every single day. And I don't know why we've done this to ourselves, but we, we certainly have. Uh, but I think that we're in this position now where it's easy to create like frameworks and say like, oh, you should be a certain way. You should act a certain way. You should, you should do things a certain way. And this should be your experience. And if it's not, you're weird. And if you're weird, you should yeah. be alone. 
And we, we, we force this isolation yeah. on people and, and, and create environments where it's like, well, I don't have a sense of community now because the world has told me I'm weird yeah. through various different ways. So, it's dangerous. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's scary. I mean, I, you know, I very rarely had people reach out to me and be like, fuck you for your political beliefs. All you know, I, I hate you motherfucker. I had, I had one, I remember in particular, I, um, I assume it was a dude usually is a, a fellow white boy who reached out to me, DM me, probably because I was like um, talking about, uh, could have been around Me Too, let's say, because yeah, I, yeah. I wrote Scare Me during the height of Me Too. I was very, very ignited and um, upset about everything that was going on. The women in my circle were sort of like, wow, Josh, you're one of the only like men in my life who is talking about this movement. Um, this dude reached out to me and was sort of seriously vitriolic, like super awful. And instead of being like, yeah, no, fuck you, like fighting back, I listened. And I said something to the effect of like, hey, uh, normally when I, um, I attack people or I say things like this that are so hurtful, um, it's usually because I'm in pain and like I'm hurting. So I just want to know if like, are you, are you okay? Are you good, dude? you can tell me. Um, it was some version of that. And, um, and he responded not right away, but it was like the next day wrote back and apologized and, and talked about the different things that he was going through. And I was like, Holy shit. Um, uh, that is a massive reframe that I think a lot of us are averse to. Um, especially the, you know, those of us who've been trolls, like I came up, like when AOL, like first became a thing, it's like, Oh, I could just anonymously tell people they're, you know, like they're a loser or whatever. Um, just, just to push the buttons because that's, that's what we do. Um, there's something that happening that happens when you like, you know, figuratively or literally like make eye contact with someone and listen and, and, uh, solve that isolation. Like I hear you, I hear you, um, that, that can, that can turn the, you know, the danger train around. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it seems like everybody, especially anonymous, like you said, they come in hot as fuck, you know, they're just like, they're, yeah. they're ready to battle and they're coming in hot and like everything you say, whether yeah. it's nice or not, they take the wrong way. So to be able to like pet their heads and say like, you know, yeah. do you need anything? Like, is everything like, yes. it just makes a huge difference. And we have so much That's access right. to information and everyone's has ac- access to, to find, uh, <laughs> support and backup to what supports their argument sure. of like, well, these reports yeah. say this and it's like, all right, well, yeah, there are a bunch of reports <laughs> that count. Step yeah, back for a just, second. Everyone yeah. chill. Let's, let's, yeah. let's relax. Uh, but no, yeah. that's honestly very, an inspiring thing. I feel like. Definitely. Uh, we More learned, of us can learn from that, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, I, we learn a lot from this whole experience and interacting with so many great people. Yeah. So yep. uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Oh, my pleasure. And by the way, I, I love that, you know, y'all, you both have kids, I assume, yeah, you yes. know, hard, hard dad. So, and especially for having boys, um, and the crisis of like the young man in America, um, that folks often talk about, it's like part of that is like, you know, kids, fathers do, do not talk to their, their sons, specifically their sons about feelings and yeah. like how to positively channel, you know, our, um, uh, our immense and intense feelings and our anger. You know, it's like, it's one thing to, to uh, yell at your brother. It's another thing to hurt your brother yeah. when you're hurt. So like <laughs> trying to like channel that shit, right. is like, so, so important. We have to talk about that stuff. Unfortunately for, uh, so Jamie has two boys. I have two girls and uh, I think his sons get all their sensitivity from me. Cause I cry during basically every movie. 
Yes. Uh, especially yes. when, uh, when, when, like, the end of uh, Stranger Things season two, when they're dancing, yes. I'll fuck. Yeah. I'll I'll cry talking about it. That's the kind of thing yeah. that just, yeah, rattles my soul. Yeah, that's good because it's like you know you have to. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. Adam Galloway he talks a lot about this. It's like you know, it's, boys need to see their dads through all textures of um being a human being and a human like male right it's like you just see him like yeah be tough and stand up for what's right but also like be low and also be a little angry but deal with that anger and then be emotional like to see like how dad's imperfect but (laughs) that doesn't go out and like you know break windshields and shit um (laughs) and seeing seeing dad or seeing you know um uncle uncle bud uh, like, you know, showing emotion, like that's super, that's super important. That's, that's invaluable. So it's like, you know, the, to get the, why this all has to do with Darla, I promise to those of you all listening is like, part of what's so heartbreaking is you look at some of these panels and you see what she's trying to do. And if you track it, she's trying to make conversation with everyone and everyone, with the exception of this kid in her class where she's a substitute teacher, um, uh, is ignoring her everyone ignores her her husband ignores her yeah. she falls down in front of her neighbor her neighbor doesn't like call it out <laughs> you know, the yep. doctor doesn't make conversation with her it's it's it's, it's uh it, it breaks your heart you know you kind of like unfortunately get it why things go the way they go yeah man yeah the uh all the political stuff really it was like this is crazy because this is just so real that's town on par yeah, yeah. youngstown ohio <laughs> yeah here we go uh, yeah, I'm I'm prepping my DMs for a whole bunch of like, you know, I want my money back, woke woke bitch. You know? yeah. like, oh boy, oh boy. Um, so if we could shift gears a little bit, I definitely want to talk about some of the films that we love so much that you've done. Uh, so so no, recently- I was hoping we could talk about abortion and uh, and gun control. Yeah, let's get that's <laughs> let's get even heavier. Yeah. Who'd you vote for? Yeah, exactly. No, um, yeah, exactly. So. Uh, so, (laughs) so scare me was your first, uh, film that you directed. Yeah. Um, yes, sir. So let's talk about that a little bit. That came out, what, 20, was it 2020 or 2021? Uh, God, I think it came out. Yeah. October, 2020. Yeah. So that it it definitely of the pandemic, right? Yeah, dude. Oh my God. Yeah. It was like, truly we, we wrapped werewolves, uh, March uh, 9th. We're in lockdown March. 13th friday the 13th and then by the time we locked picture on werewolves i had like a month of rest whatever that means during covid just like watch a couple movies and jump right into press for for scare me which was pretty fun so at least there was like a routine there and i completely lose my mind but i had two movies that like back to back came out during covid that just like made me so crazy also it's like i finally get these made and now it's this pandemic I can't yeah. like show it anywhere. Oh my god! Oh yeah, and like with Sunday, so you the, there was no in person, right? Anything, right? So that was all. Was that all virtual or? I was so lucky, dudes. Uh, January twenty twenty, we were okay. We went to Sundance January twenty twenty. Um, so I got to enjoy it. I was in prep for Werewolves. I was there for all the forty eight hours. I went to our premiere at like the Egyptian at midnight, which was you know I don't know how anybody lasts. I'm forty, um, but it was still exciting. <laughs> Uh, and like truly had to leave the end of the next day, um, to get on a plane and go right in a pre-pro for, uh, for werewolves back in like Fleischmann's New York. So, um, uh, that was really intense, but I did get to enjoy Sundance, like the circus that it was. Oh, nice. And then werewolves came out 
we had a uh, something like a June twentieth uh, Tribeca premiere when like COVID was quote unquote over. Um, it was all outdoor. It was like an outdoor screening, so that that was really cool too because I got to like see buddies and all the chairs were spaced far yeah, apart. Yeah. It was like you know at an airport hangar, like a pier. Um, it was uh, super loud and sunny, but um, it was still great. I think our so our buddy Emily Bennett, she did Alone with You. Um, yeah. The movie, I think it came out same same year, if I'm not mistaken. But she had a very similar experience, right? She said she like just missed that missed that cut off of being uh, available for uh, the showings at the festivals and whatnot. And then like right. the next week, it was like, all right, we're shut down. Um, but I think she, Whoa. yeah, she hit that that perfect cadence there too, which is which is cool. That's yeah. great. Um, so so scare me though. Came out right in the height of the pandemic. We're all inside, and I don't know why, but. I remember seeing the promo for this and being like, yeah, I fucking, I need to feel this even more <laughs> because I was like excited <laughs> by the prospect of like, yes, because I remember us talking, I think Jamie and I were, or maybe my wife and I, um, there was like some stupid rerun of a horrifying reality TV show on. And I was like, I wonder when in life we're going to see production happening where people are wearing masks and like when it's going to start to be like documented either in pop culture or in uh, productions that we see or when it's going to start to become parts of storylines because it we were in a place where it was like uh, we're living through the pandemic uh, but but we don't have any art that you know demonstrates that but we will and I remember thinking like oh I wonder when we're going to start to feel this and I think this was the first movie I saw where I was like this feels like the environment that we're currently in not saying like it's a pandemic film or a COVID film, but uh, it had that isolation, the insularness, the what the hell do we do to entertain one another for, for another night uh, concept that we all went through with all of our families or our units that we were, we were with. Yeah. Like the power going out was essentially like COVID, right? Like, yeah. To your point. (laughs) That's what it is. The winter storm. Yeah. Yeah. The winter storm with lightning. Yeah. Pipes aren't working. Yeah. Luckily, there's like one pizza place with a driver that will you ride his bike out. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah, truly, but, truly. God bless him. I, what? So, how did this movie come to be? I guess is is the question. Uh, you know, what what brought it all together, and uh, did you expect I, the success uh, it had? You know, there's, I touched on like the Me Too stuff. There was like the social movement happening. Get Out had just come out and was a massive hit. Um, and I was like, oh shit, I think I have a, an idea for a small movie a four character film, almost like a play that is as socially relevant as get out is. Um, but you know, it has to do with like gender competition emasculation, um, and male fragility. And I was like, there might be something fun to do without making like preachy, but, um, you know, that have the gimmick of it be that it's a sound designers movie, that it's a horror anthology that never leaves the campfire, that the whole thing happens in, in the house. And I came up doing like, you know, Keith Johnstone, Paul Sills style improv where you'd create space like right in front of you. And I was also just a weird kid who played with action figures and, you know, like may, that's not weird to play with action figures. Um, I still do. Um, uh, like make noises, you know, and um, talk to myself in the mirror and like do weird characters and stuff. And I was like, how can I bring all that specific weirdness into this movie? And so I took all this stuff, social movement, like a, a vehicle for me, like let's find an actress that I know. I happen to um, essentially live in the same small town as Aya um, Cash, who just immediately agreed to do it. So we had an immediate attachment from her. It just came together very quickly because it, it's not an expensive film. 
And um, people who heard about it were like, oh, shit. It's, I think the social message, even though it's not like a preachy social, not a Me Too movie by any means, um, was a big piece of how we got funding as quickly as we did, even though we had multiple financiers. It's like, oh, shit, okay, we could do something that's like kind of a smaller get out that's about something else. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I feel like it it strikes both chords because if someone just wants to walk in and see something that's like a bitchin' story that's really funny and has moments of scary and a really cool ending, like if you just take it yeah. at face value and it's like, oh, I'm not even going to dig one inch past the surface here you watch it you're like this movie rules or if a lot of us need the satisfaction or gravitate toward the satisfaction of like oh my god there's such a deep cool interesting point to this it hits that too so i feel like the of the balance and the cadence of getting that right um Mm -hmm. successfully and in a balanced way that to your point is like hey you know this this worked uh i feel like that's tough and you crush the shit out of it on your first feature film so yeah, you're right. You could take it Thank just you. for the surface yeah. of what it is, or you could dig deeper and you're pleased either way. You know, I feel yeah. Werewolves Within is the same exact way. Totally. I and because it, it it's presented as a comedy, which it is, but like there's like like we said, there's deeper social commentary and there's a meaning to it. Yeah. When when so wait when was uh, Werewolves Within released? Uh, we released July, I believe it was July second, twenty twenty one. Okay, I think I probably watched it. Um, after I've been touting how much we love your work, I feel like we talk about tw- talked about it as a 2022 movie. Am I, th- I wrong? I feel like we did. I feel like it was the winter of 21, like late in the year mm-hmm. that we watched it. Because I remember I was sitting down here in that big squashy armchair behind me. Um, it was cold as shit. It was snowing outside, and I was working. Oh, perfect. And I came across it, and I was like, "Oh my god, I, I haven't watched this yet. I've been looking forward to it." And I put it on, and it was one of those moments, like lighting in a bottle environment was perfect that's just as important on totally. first time watch yeah. as anything for us yeah yeah uh and so much so much fun with it but i feel like this movie is kind of like jaws but in a mountain setting um but there are also elements like um the the woman with the dog uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> that's my cat scares the shit out of me uh, the, yeah right trish yeah the one with the dog i i, I got so much rear window from that when the, the dog dies in the rear window and the woman's like frantic out on the back patio. I loved that so much. Um, but I, the, the, the cast in this movie is incredible. So good. Uh, but how'd that come to be the casting? Um, I mean, yeah, it was such a murderer's row, right. Of just incredible actors. I, I, uh, you know, we had a little bit of money now. We had a real casting director. I went right to Gail Keller, who does what we do in the shadows. She did Louie for FX. She was like a real respected, she is a very um, uh, respected New York casting director who I saw do a panel at Woodstock Film Festival and her just talking about the interesting choices that she likes to make. I like to cast unexpectedly and make weird choices. And uh, she just, you could just tell she's an artist in, in her own right. And so working with her and her team was so fun because I had all these ideas of people that I wanted to work with. And then she'd show me just as it's her job as a casting director, five, 10, 20 ideas of people that are available uh, in either New York or uh, Los Angeles and when they're available, which is just so wild. It's like, you know, whatever, uh, Scarlett Johansson, tech avail in LA pending script, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So you go through this list and you think, okay, you know, uh, let's, Let's just start reaching out to people who I hear are cool or I've always wanted to work with. So 
what I, what I like to do, my process is I always want a buddy or two there because if shit hits the fan, this is, this is now my biggest film. You know, my first film was well below a million dollars. This one's well into the sixes of millions. Um, and this is a big deal. It's my first, you know, big one, my, my sophomore effort. So I was like, I've known George Basil for forever. The guy who played, um, uh, Marcus, I've known, you know, he's a comedian buddy. Uh, he's done shorts. He did a bunch of college humor shit. I was like, I want George there. Everybody loves George. Like not only is George so funny and so talented, everybody loves George. So I was like, okay, I'll get George there. George will keep everybody happy. Shit hits the fan. It's too cold. This is that and the other thing. And he did. Boy, did he ever. And Milana, I've known for years. I've known her. We did college humor videos forever and ever and ever ago, well before AT&T, et cetera. So um, George and Milana were pretty much the first folks we went to um, generally. And um, Sam, I think Sam... I can't remember how early in he was, but I feel like we were kind of like, we were building half the cast, then we got Sam and then Sam helped us, you know, help that momentum to cast the rest of the folks. So it was like, just me going down and asking, you know, I like asking actors who they like to work with. Like I asked George, you know, I said, who do you want to play your partner? Who do you want to play opposite you as your Gwen? He was like, what about Sarah Burns? I love her. And I was like, holy shit, I never would have thought of that. She's on Barry. She's funny as hell. Yeah. Holy shit. She ended up being so fucking wonderful. I'm, I'm dying to work with her again. Um, and I asked, uh, once we got Harvey Guillen, who was on, you know, this little show called What We Do in the Shadows. And it was only like he had just yeah. finished season two or whatever. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen it yet. I'm, you know, I hear you're great. <laughs> like, he's a massive star now. Um, I said, who would you like to play your husband? And he goes, Cheyenne Jackson. How about? And I was like, oh, my God, I saw him on Broadway. I love him. I've actually always wanted to work with him. He just did a stint on Watchmen. Um, so that was how I like to build it up as an actor myself. I want to give my actors their buddy, their like summer camp buddy, their yeah. winter camp buddy, their homie to have there in case, God forbid, someone's a jerk or they don't like me or they feel alone. Like the, coming back to the themes of isolation, right? Yeah. Um, and I get on the phone with everyone who's interested or responds to the script. And I say, how do you like to be directed? How do you like to be talked to? How do you like to work? And I was like, I know this is a silly question. How do you like to work? How do you like to be taught? What I'm, what I'm really doing, the subtext of it, dudes, is like, are you an asshole? It's my asshole check. It's like, how do you like to, tell me what you like to, yeah, do you want me to leave you alone? Do you like this thing? And so some people will say, oh my, like Milana will say, you can literally move my head for me. You can grab me by the shoulders and move, point me in any direction you'd like, move me like a doll tell me to how to raise my eyebrow. Like you can get really specific with me. I like that. Um, whereas someone like Sam, who's a comedic genius will say like, you could do whatever. I'm super easy. Just like maybe, you know, go easy on the line readings. And I was like, I will not give you a line reading. You're one of the funniest people I know. I trust you with the dialogue. Yeah. And I go through this with everybody and you get wonderful answers. And you know, 99% of the time they're all going to go, whatever. I'm easy. Glenn Fleshler, true detective, Waco, Barry, like who plays, um, uh, oh God, Emerson Flint was like, I don't care. I've worked with so many actors, so many directors. Just, you know, tell me what you want. I'm easy. I'm easy. They're, nine times out of 10, they're just going to go like, whatever. I just love doing this shit. Like I'm easy, you know? And that was it. It um, felt like it was so fun. Like that seemed like it would be, have been such a fun set to, to be had on. To be. Yeah. Yeah. It was, they were all singing. Like, you know, usually you hear, <laughs> 
some actors don't like to hang out while the coverage is, you know, not on them. They all hung out. They, they had, you know, five dressing rooms between the 10 of them. So they all hang out together. I mean, it was like really, really fun. And it had to be that. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, yeah, it was, it was a great shoot. It was stressful for sure because we, we booked it like that was a 20, God, I think all it was intended to be a 23 day shoot, but we had this like issue with the crew commute taken forever in the morning and there was weather and all kinds of stuff. So all in all, I think, excuse me, we ended up shooting werewolves like for like just shy of 20 days, like a 19 day Oh my God. Movie, what? crazy. Damn. Yeah. Man, it's, it, that That's movie a, feels yeah, it's incredible. so, it feels so big and it, I feel like it is big. And, yeah. Uh, again, I wouldn't be able to have made that movie, by the way, if I didn't make and fuck up making thousands of uh, college humor shorts. If you go back and look at any college humor video that I've ever made, um, directed, there are so many bad ones. There's some good ones, really good <laughs> ones, but there are like, so, like that was my film school, like messing up the eye line and blocking's weird and everything starting with a dolly shot. So that's what I thought was cool. Like, if I didn't mess up, in film school, I never would have been able to think as fast on my feet as when I got on set for either scare me or werewolf, you know? Yeah. It's awesome to hear you say that because, uh, I listen to Mick Garris's podcast a lot and oh, he talks okay. about how amazing stories was his film school. He never went to film school. Amazing stories was, you know, he learned how to be producer, uh, the mic guy, just like the boom guy, like every, every thing Spielberg. he did it all. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then he became the director that he is through that. So it's awesome uh, that your story is kind of dissimilar. Yeah. I love I love Mick's podcast. I've listened to every single one. So that good. was a bucket list thing. Misha Wolf and I, the writer of Werewolves, getting to do the Mick Harris podcast. Um, I think I messed up Alice Krieg's name, uh, and he corrected <laughs> me. But it was just like so. <laughs> I was I was in heaven. I actually listened to you, uh, your guest spot on. Um, Movies that made us the Joe Dante. Oh podcast. yeah, like, I, that yeah. one was a really fucking crazy. And that was like, incredible. Getting to hear you talk about movies that made John and I, uh, you know, like The Burbs, uh, Monster Squad, even fucking Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I mean, these are movies that like made John what we are. Yeah. John and I both what we are now. So it was really awesome to hear you talk about. Yeah, those. Burbs is my favorite. I mean. We had uh, Corey Danziger, who played Tom Hanks' son um, from The Burbs, on the show. And Whoa. we were like, it was like royalty. And he was like, oh, my God. He, remember, he was like, and he was like down to talk about everything. Yeah, he was. Like, he, he's, he's incredibly, it was so awesome. incredibly kind. But he was like, you guys should reach out to Joe. And we were like, nah. We're like, how do you do that? He's like, <laughs> ah, you just got to find someone that knows him. And we were like, well, you, you, uh, Corey, you know him, right? And he was, he was like incredibly sweet and kind. And um, I texted him the other day a, a picture because my kids now love it. And I was like, hey, first uh, birds watch the year. And he's just really, really cool, dude. Uh, very, very neat being able to chat with him. That's so I, I think Joe Dante is. Yeah, I wouldn't call him underrated at all. I just think he's he's just a, he was an integral, iconic filmmaker who it inspired me. I'd say equally, if not more, than Spielberg because the the Burbs specifically. I mean, the Burbs, Gremlins, Twilight Zone, the movie like his oh vignette alone. It's just like uh, again and again and again, not yeah. killers. And stylistically, for for you, you know, I think what we love so much about your work is there. I, I feel like oftentimes again, perception being reality and people feeling like they need to serve certain purposes when they're doing things. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. to, to, to effectively blend genres and introduce different concepts that it can be funny and it can be scary. You can't yeah. have people that have complex character development, but that die early in the movie. You can't like, you don't have to st- yeah. stick to these formulas. And Joe Dante was yeah. the first person I, I remember in my life, you know, watching the burbs and feeling so excited by the fact that you could be scared and laugh at the same time and feel yeah. like it's your suburban neighborhood that you're growing up in. And, and he, he does that so incredibly well of, of making, um, multi-genre feeling films and doing it so in- incredibly well he's just he's the greatest he really he really really does i mean he really just uh it he he was a part of that kind of you know um he was in the kind of a- amblin camp i mean obviously with the gremlins of it all but like yeah. uh then you look at something like the howling which is just so oh. it's I, I was a really late um I, I was not a newcomer. I, I am a newcomer to the, to the Howling. I've such a Johnny come lately with, with the Howling. Um, it's so weird and so freaky. And it's just, just not, in, in some ways, doesn't feel quite like a Joe Dante movie. But you just kind of like, okay, this dude is like beyond versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, it was just one of the many I, I devoured before uh, getting into werewolves. Just, you know, just to have my school. But um, yeah, I think he's he's massively instrumental. It was so crazy to try to talk to him. I definitely talked about the Burbs way too much. Oh my god! But uh, yeah, him and Josh were cool. I, I yeah yeah that had to be amazing. Like you sounded like excited to talk to him. You know <laughs> that came through, which was cool. If this matters to you or not, the we did an uh, an episode on werewolf horror films, and of our favorites of all time, The Howling was on that list. And werewolves with within was also so, yeah. come now yeah. yeah uh so that was that was a exciting episode for us and I can't tell well, you I had you. at least like three separate people reach out to me and say werewolves within was awesome yeah like I after think, listening to the show so it's because of us yeah so sorry Josh. <laughs> <laughs> it's quiet I mean thank you I I'm uh, uh yeah the 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 covid um the COVID, I would call it the COVID delay, but like the fact that it was sort of buried by the, like, you know, the, um, the wedge in our, uh, our movie going experience and like quiet place Two is the real one. I think people did go back that drove people back to, to, to theaters, which was after werewolves came out. It was a bummer, but it's been pretty awesome to see how frequently people are discovering it and, you know, offering it up on their list of recommendations. And it reminds me of, I'm not making this comparison at all, but it's like how I discovered Monster Squad, how many people did. Monster Squad was completely buried, you know, many, many, many years ago when it came out. It was panned and buried. And um, it, it's seminal. I mean, yeah. that's like that movie is, you know, I, I, I specifically told my DP, you know, with werewolves, like, I want I want the uh, I want Dracula green. I want Monster Squad green. <laughs> I want that that tint of green on Sam Parker in the back of that that you know that truck i wanted on milano for the ending like that kind of stuff that's amazing um, that is I, amazing you know, man yeah it's just it's also just shot beautifully like wall-to-wall music great casting super funny like you know yep. um i think it's a masterpiece all of it i'm not making this up because of where we're at right now but i watched i put on monster squad for my five-year-old today like he he's already familiar with the movie because of this past halloween but this morning Whoa. he was like bored didn't have his ipad with him it was dead or something so I put on Monster Squad and it started and he was like, he looked back at me and he was like, do I know this? I said, oh yeah. He was like, what is it? And I was like, it's Monster Squad. And he was like, yes. So, and that's how it starts. Yep. 
That's amazing. Truly, truly. It, it is such a weirdly like, I mean, there's so many problematic moments in its own, you know, its own way for sure. It's not like fully a kid's movie, but it's, it is such a kid's movie. Yeah. It's like so transportive. I mean, it's like, it's Goonies, you know, it's, it's, yes, um, it's Goonies with monsters. I think it's exactly. awesome. Yeah. 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 Luckily yeah, he's at the, is. he's at the perfect age because he's young enough to miss all the slurs and the inappropriate <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I don't remember ever like, you know, adopting any of the like bad language, bring it to school or anything. I was just like, you know, the amulet's so cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we started using the word nerds big time though. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. Put um, that on a t-shirt. So, so Josh, uh, plug your stuff real quick before we wrap here, man. So you've got Darla coming out May 31st, yeah. uh, which is, probably about a week from when this episode is going to drop. So Exciting. Um, congratulations on that, man. You want to plug where people Thank can find Thank you so it? much. Yeah. Check out just uh search, uh, Darla GN, Darla graphic novel, Josh Rubin. It should pop right up. You can also get it on my website, Josh's I have a link to it. Um, uh, I've got Darla. I, um, announced a couple of things, including green bank, which will hopefully be my next film with Tatiana Maslany from She-Hulk and Jasmine Savoy Brown from Scream. It's a sci-fi thriller. Awesome. Um, so hopefully that, that gets going next year once the strike's over. Um, but, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of cool stuff cooking, but Darla's like, yeah, you'll see a lot of me, a lot more of me promoting my graphic novel just to, you know, um, uh, upset the, uh, greater, um, the greater country so um yeah we'll do a, a giveaway too uh, to listeners so we'll buy a couple copies and we'll we'll raffle those off oh, to get some socialization yeah. going on oh um, no way yeah oh, thank you well yeah. when you do that let me know because i will send them a signed darla mm. card which i just um had printed out for my buddies at invader so whoever wins i'll shoot them a thank you i've got this like big awesome. stack Amazing. of postcards from the signing i did at this awesome um <laughs> comic store here in Los Angeles called Revenge of um, this past weekend and it's so killer. So uh, yeah, very cool. That's very nice. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll make sure we do that. So thank you, Josh. Appreciate your time, man. And uh, when your next film comes out, uh, if you'd like to come back on, plug that. We'd like to have you anytime. Hell yeah! Thank you so much. We'll get even more political, even more divisive, <laughs> even more polarizing for sure. That's how you get, you know, especially your town just rally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. It was man. awesome talking to you, man. You're a compassionate, a artistic pleasure. dude, and uh, can't wait to sit in the theater and watch something that you made someday. <laughs>